The lib narrative on COVID-19 is in free fall. Now CDC Chief Rochelle Walensky is admitting that a lot of people in the hospital are there with COVID instead of from it. Oh, what a surprise, right? Not at all. Not for those of us who have been saying this for over a year now. Oh, while they call this conspiracy theorists. <laughs> Looks like we were right again. It's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. I don't wanna do a victory dance over and over again on being right when it comes to COVID. I want the madness to stop. That's the most important thing. I want the libs, I want the Fauciite commies to take their boot off our throat and the mask off our face. That would be a great start, right? Let's just get down into reality here for a second. First of all, they have failed, okay? They failed to stop the spread. They can talk as much as they want about how the shot is good for individuals to protect against hospitalization and death. And sure, that's a good thing. And we say that here on the show. But that means that individuals who are at risk should choose to get the shot. And the public messaging focus should have been on getting those at risk the shot. Not 30-year-old nurses that already have natural immunity who don't want the vax. Not 5- and 10-year-old kids who are at effectively no risk from COVID whatsoever. But they refuse to be reasonable. They wanted control. They are in a panic. The libs have lost their minds. And they want to drag us all into their insanity in perpetuity. We say no here on Hold the Line. First of all, is it a failure to stop the spread? Gee, take a look. New York Post headline. New York reports over 90,000 COVID cases. And they've broken another state record. We are breaking COVID spread records after a vaccine mandate has been in place for four months. Oh, but I thought we did everything right. I thought if we masked up and took the virus seriously. Nope, eh, wrong, that's not the case. We all understand what's really going on here, right? You're seeing the enormous failure of the narrative and the apparatus of control in real time. This is clear to everybody now. Right, the whole, oh, we're gonna be fine. Remember when the lib journos in DC and New York and another Democrat enclaves were laughing at Florida over the summer. Ha ha, Ron DeSantis, they have bad COVID case numbers because they didn't listen to the science. Oh, about that. Florida's doing just fine right now. They've got a pretty sizable COVID surge, but not on the lines of what you're seeing in New York. And turns out that the virtue signaling did not coincide with actual viral protection, did it? Meanwhile, the data that we have to base all this off of is it sound? Is it good? Do we even know how many people are in the hospital with COVID versus from COVID? Because that's what, that's what really matters. We don't care when it comes to our COVID conversation about an asymptomatic case with somebody who's there for appendicitis or somebody who's there with a broken arm in the hospital, right? So do we have real numbers on this? Well, here's the director of the CDC, just an utter incompetent, saying, oh no, we'll get back to you on that. Do you know how many of the 836,000 deaths in the U.S. linked to COVID are from COVID or how many are with COVID, but they had other comorbidities? Do you have that breakdown? Um, yes, of course. With Omicron, we're following that very carefully. Our death registry, of course, um, takes a few weeks to and is, uh, takes a few weeks to collect. Um, and of course, Omicron has just been with us for a few weeks, but those data will be forthcoming. Mm hmm forthcoming. I feel like they're not in a big rush. Because, you know, Fauci had to say recently that a lot of the kids in the hospital marked as COVID hospitalizations weren't actually there for COVID. So do we think that a lot, if a lot of the children in the hospital are being marked as COVID, 
when they're really not COVID patients, meaning they're there for something other than that virus, do we think there have been a lot of adults over the course of, oh, I don't know, the last two years who have been listed as COVID deaths who were there who were COVID positive, but actually died of heart failure because they were over 80 years old and had multiple comorbidities? Well, we have more information right now on the data because some of us have been saying all along, this is a disease that is dangerous to the elderly and the sick, and particularly the elderly who are sick. And we were yelled at, oh no, it's so dangerous for children, 10-year-olds, 18-year-olds, let's get every professional athlete vaccinated, it's so scary and dangerous. And we were saying, it's really not for those people, it is for seniors and those at high risk. And yet here is CDC Director Rochelle Walensky once again saying, yeah, the people, I mean, she doesn't say this, but that's basically what she's saying. The people like Buck, who have been pointing out who's really at risk from COVID, were right. 75% of COVID deaths, at least four comorbidities. The overwhelming number of deaths, over 75%, occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who were unwell to begin with. Unwell to begin with. Comorbidities. Advanced age. Gee, why do we have vaccine mandates in the school system then? Why do we have people that are mandating boosters for everyone? The CDC is an abomination, folks, a total failure during this whole pandemic. Remember they messed up the testing in the early days? They were telling us to wipe down our groceries with Lysol wipes. These people have been an abject failure. That's the reality. Let's all look at this and be honest, okay? If they were fighting a war, we'd have to fire all the generals and have a whole new draft, right? We'd have to start from scratch. Even resident idiot at CNN, Brian Stelter, is like, CDC's a problem. Watch. Here's a great example, I think, of, of how to cover this moment in time. Here's the Today Show. Here's Savannah Guthrie interviewing the CDC director, being very much in touch with the public, recognizing the CDC has turned into a punchline. It is so sad, but it's true. The CDC has turned into a punchline. Yeah, because they're wrong a lot, because they're politicized hacks, because they have no humility. They shut down scientific discussion and claim that that's science. They're appalling. And now they're also having to all admit that what some of us have been telling you all along is true. There is no eradicating COVID. There's no COVID zero. This is a virus that will be with us, that will mutate, that fortunately with Omicron, while it is more transmissible, it is also considerably less lethal, less dangerous. So we'll be getting a whole lot of herd immunity built up through natural immunity, not these vaccines so much that last a few months at best. Here is ex-Biden task force head Zeke Emanuel on MSNBC saying, look, we're not going to eradicate COVID. We're going to have to learn to live with it. We're not getting rid of COVID. It's not going to disappear. We're not going to eradicate it. We're going to have to learn to live with it, just like we learned to live with RSV, adenovirus, flu. We're not there yet. When you have 140,000 hospitalizations, you have 1,500 deaths a day, you're not at a situation where we can live with it normally. We still have to combat it to bring those, that mortality rate down to about 100 people a day to bring the hospitalizations down. But once we're down, we have to sustain it and we will live with it. We'll be in a new normal. We won't have to wear masks all the time. We can go into restaurants. Ventilation will be improved. That is the situation. Won't have to wear masks all the time. The masks. The cloth masks don't work. Admit it. 
Admit it, libs. They don't work. You've already had the former FDA chief say it. You've had Lena Wynn on CNN say it. They don't work. Now they say it so they can get little kids to start wearing N95 masks, but they don't work. And we should never have to wear them again because we should have never had to wear them in the first place. Oh no, we have a lot of work here to do, friends. The authoritarian libs, just because they're wrong doesn't mean they're going to change. We'll have more on this with the first TV's Jesse Kelly when we come back. But first, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot, of pro a lot of companies promise you that privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure uses proprietary encryption and is offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communication is based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without any of the big tech platforms getting involved. Privacy is a big issue now, you know that. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mind your data and never asks for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence that you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. Use promo code BUCK for 25% off. Our friend Jesse Kelly stops by in a moment. Just like everything else in this country, the fight against the pandemic appears to be going woke. Yeah, you heard that right, folks. With COVID treatments in short supply in some respects, the FDA issued new guidance that healthcare providers can consider race, or ethnicity when administering potentially life-saving drugs and therapeutics. What exactly does that mean? Let's get into it with the host of I'm Right with Jesse Kelly, right here on The First TV, the one and only Jesse Kelly. Jesse, good to see you. Well, I think we know what it means, Buck. There's a word for it that was thrown around a lot last summer. Uh, hang on, sorry. It starts with an S. Uh, Systemic racism. I believe that was the word that is. And I don't know how you can look at that any other way. We have these life-saving treatments. You come in for the life-saving treatments. And if you're white, uh, sorry, sir, head on to the back of the line while we fix other people first. That is the very definition of systemic racism. And I don't know about you, Buck. I distinctly remember being told that that is basically a national security issue. America's an evil place because of it. And now it's official government policy. And the FDA put out a fact sheet detailing the emergency use authorization of the drug uh, sotravimab which include, uh, includes for mild to moderate COVID cases, the conditions they had were advanced age, which is obviously very, very real in this, obesity, pregnancy, diabetes, it goes down a whole list. Other medical factors, including race or ethnicity. So now, now we're actually going to take a, a, a affirmative action approach of some kind here, or some kind of race conscious approach to distributing life-saving medicine. This seems pretty appalling, and it's amazing that it can actually happen in America today, but it is happening. I'm not surprised. I, I, I know you're not surprised either, Buck. You, we've been ranting about this stuff for two years now. How do you look at the medical community in this country now? And I realize that I'm not, I'm not indicting every doctor and nurse because there are some wonderful ones out there, especially the hot nurses. But let's just be honest, the medical community, they've joined forces with a really corrupt federal government. And I'm old enough to remember when we had potential life-saving early treatments for coronavirus out there, and not me, I'm not a medical expert, but doctors and hot nurses, they were out there talking about how things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm not 
endorsing those because I'm not a doctor, but they were saying on camera, I'm fixing people with this. People are coming in with COVID. I'm giving them this and it's saving their lives. And I remember the medical community in conjunction with the government in this country said, nope, none of that. We need a lot of dead people because then we can blame it all on Trump. When you stare at somebody's mom lying in a hospital bed dying from her own lung fluid and you say, no, 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 don't treat her. We got to win an election. How are you any different than any other historical monster? Is the apparatus really in disarray right now in a way that you think might be irreversible? As in, is all this Fauci narrative finally crumbling? Or is it just crumbling for people that have known all along that it's bullcrap and you're still just going to have the doubling down of the loons? I mean, I'm here in New York. Jesse, they're going to they're gonna have a booster mandate here soon. Almost guaranteed it to everybody in New York City. They have a booster mandate. So, so is the apparatus crumbling or what? Yes and no. I, 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 this is what I think, Buck. Nobody, Dr. Fauci isn't gaining additional influence at this point in time. Everyone can agree, well, not everyone, but everyone with an IQ above an amoeba can agree that he got way too popular and influential very early on. That's only gotten lower and lower and lower as we've moved on. He's not gaining. So technically we are gaining, but places like New York, places like Washington, D.C., they're so communist and they're so wrapped up in a bubble they don't have any exposure to real information. They get their information from NBC. They get their information from Eric Adams. They get they watch CNN at night for real, not just hate watching like we do. They really watch it and think that that's news. What person, what chance does that person have ever at getting the truth about anything, Buck? They never have a chance. They, they quite literally don't have a chance to live a normal life because they don't live in the real world. So where do you think they go at this stage, Jesse, when... The CDC, just in the last few days, has announced publicly that a large percentage, we don't know the number yet because they don't know the number because apparently the CDC can't really count. You'll notice the UK, Israel, there are countries that have very immediate granular data on this stuff. And we're talking about hospitalizations and deaths, not, you know, how many calories the average, you know, Arkansan is eating, right? I mean, this, this is something that really affects the whole trajectory of the pandemic right now, not to bring in Arkansas for no reason. Love my people in Arkansas. Point, we got an Arkansas governor uh, soundbite coming up. That's why I was thinking of it. But Jesse, they are having to admit that a large number of people in the hospital may not be there for COVID. We've been saying this for a long time. And now they say the thing that they've been yelling at us for saying as if we haven't been saying it and even getting shot down on social media, hit pieces written about it, uh, about people like you and me in big places, New York Times. What the heck is going on? Well, what's going on is they're being exposed. COVID's no longer a winner for Democrats. And what's going on is, I mean, you mentioned earlier, people waking up. People are going to have to unpack. I mean, I, your viewers are as informed about reality as anything else. And even a percentage of them probably haven't fully unpacked. The United States of America was never trying to defeat coronavirus. We were never trying to stop deaths. That virus got here and about 15 minutes after it got here, it was viewed as an opportunity to defeat Donald Trump's reelection chances. And that's how we've approached it. That's the only reason you wouldn't dig in and immediately figure out, did this guy die from COVID or did he die because he's 65, 475 pounds, has emphysema and lung cancer? We didn't do those separations, not because we don't have people smart enough to do them. We didn't do them because 
they wanted everything assigned as a COVID death. I just put some article out on social media. I'd forgotten about it. My producer brought it up to me. Remember the guy in Florida in July of 2020 who wrecked his motorcycle and died, God rest his soul, and they counted him as a COVID death? That was simply policy early on. Test every single person who dies, test them until they pop positive, list them as a COVID death, drop it in Donald Trump's lap so we can win an election. America isn't defeating coronavirus because we've never tried. You know, we're still waiting to see, Jesse, if the Supreme Court is going to put a stay on the national. And I, I, I've been warning my red state brothers and sisters for a long time, you're not safe from the federal government mandate, right? I mean, you know, you, you live in Texas, you live in Florida, they're going to try to jam this thing down your throat wherever you are if you're at a company with under, uh, you know, over 100 employees and, you know, you have to fit into all these different categories. But it's coming for 84 million people. We're going to find out if the court actually stays this or not. They're not going to rule in it until June. Here's the governor of Arkansas. Why well, I was thinking of Arkansas. Watch. I don't believe that uh, the mandate is the right way to go at this time, uh, particularly the federal mandate that uh, should be struck down because that's going to give us a greater worker shortage. It's going to increase the resistance for uh, taking the vaccine, which is what we want to be able to do. Now, the governor of Arkansas is not exactly a frontline freedom fighter in a lot of ways. I'll just say that. He's okay <laughs> on some things, not great on others. A little too pro, uh, pro Fauciism for, for my taste. But I mean, uh, you know, what do you think here? I think that we're about to see a great dividing. I don't have, honestly, to be to be frank, I don't have any faith in the Supreme Court at all. And look, we're at the point now, Buck, I mean, we've been talking a lot about the CDC and Democrats. We're at the point now where Americans in general don't trust their institutions. And you're gonna see a lot of people, myself included, I'll be honest, I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I'm not taking it. I, I, I'm not ruled by a Supreme Court. I, if they view that the federal government has the authority to point at me and say, inject this into your body, then I point right back and say, you're not a legitimate institution anymore and I don't have to do what you say. And I'm not a minority. You're gonna find a huge percentage of these GOP states that say that, and you're gonna have attorney general pushback. You're gonna see a real divide in this country, Buck. I hope, I hope not a dangerous divide, but I'm telling you, you start pointing your finger at 80 million Americans and say, do this or you're fired, that's a problem. Jesse, sanity, my friend. It's a nice thing, isn't it? Even if people don't share it with us. It is. It's good to have when you can. Amen. Good to see you. Be good. Be good, brother. New York City's Mayor Eric Adams has announced he'll be signing a bill into law that will allow non-citizens who've been in the city for 30 days to vote in local elections. We'll have reaction from conservative talk show host Mark Simone coming up. I want to talk to you about protecting the most valuable asset you own, your home. You have homeowner's insurance for good reason, because without it, a fire, flood, or burglary could destroy you financially. There's another major crime your homeowner's policy doesn't cover. It's called home title fraud. The FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes, and it can ruin you financially, which is why you need home title lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home and leaves you with the payments. You'll spend a fortune on legal fees trying to prove you didn't commit fraud. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone from a cyber thief to a renter to a relative trying to forge their way onto your home's title, they help shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Enter code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. New York City Mayor Eric Adams about to saddle New Yorkers with yet another controversial measure. 
Adams said Saturday he will sign a bill allowing hundreds of thousands of non-citizens living in New York City to participate in local elections by expanding voting eligibility to green card holders, about 10% of the city's population and recipients of deferred action. Hmm, interesting. Well, I've had some concerns about aspects of the bill Adams said about this in response. I had a productive dialogue with my colleagues in government that put those concerns at ease. I believe allowing legislation to be enacted is by far the best choice and look forward to bringing millions more into the democratic process. Joining me now is iHeartRadio talk show host, Mark Simone. Mark, good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's just be clear. Are, are illegals, are they, you know, I saw deferred action there. So green card holders are allowed to be here, but generally not allowed to vote. So that's a problem right there. But are illegals in any way uh, included in this new legislation? So effectively, are deferred action recipients who are illegal aliens able to vote? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, this is the Democrats saying, if you won't vote for us, we'll import people who will. So, <laughs> I mean, anything goes. We don't even know who signs these ballots anyway. No signatures are authenticated. Uh, it, it, listen, it's like Tom Brady. You got to just uh, be grateful for all these uh, obstacles. It just makes you play better. Here is uh, CNN's own Jake Tapper doing one of those things where he actually asks some real questions, which he does do sometimes, and he does it here with New York City yeah. Mayor Eric Adams. Wanted to have you respond. Uh, give us one sec. Play it. Doesn't the bill just make a mockery of the idea of American citizenship, though? I mean, this is just for local elections, but does that mean, like, next uh, New York City is going to want non-citizens to vote in federal elections? I mean, it, and what do you say to all the people who went through the process, the difficult process of becoming an American citizen, studying for the test, swearing an oath of allegiance to the United States of America. And after hearing their rationale and their theories behind it, uh, I thought it was more important to not veto the bill or get in the way at all and allow the bill to move forward. Did Adams change his position? Because he kind of said that he had concerns or whatever. What's the reality here, Mark? The reality is he's only been in office about 10 days. Uh, we don't know about him yet. He says all the right things. He acts like he's going to do the right thing. But we don't know, and he's being very cautious. With this uh, issue and with a couple of others, he's tiptoeing very lightly. Uh, I would rather see a Rudy Giuliani come in and just take a stand. But we, I don't know what he'll do in the end. Uh, you know, the great thing about Democrats, they always go too far. They always push it too far. You know, now it's the illegals voting. Next thing you know, it'll be people under 18, uh, you know, kids voting. Uh, they'll, they'll just keep going until it blows up in their face. Eric Adams, by the way, to switch gears a little bit, but still the mayor of New York City here. And I think this is always a harbinger of what you'll see with other prominent Democrats across the country in this year. How are they going to operate given the new realities of, you know, COVID and defund the police and what people have seen over the last 12 months? But he is in talks uh, supporting mandating the jab for all right now for children to attend school. This contradicts what he said about schools being the safest place for kids just last week. Here's what he says about mandating for children. Watch this one. COVID is a formidable and moving target. And we have to pivot and shift based on that. And our policies have been rooted in, I need my children in school. And if my medical professionals tell me, Eric, we have to do a mandated vaccine, we're going to do that. What do you make of this? Going to be a problem for him to mandate the shot for kids? Absolutely. But you know, the good thing about Eric Adams, if you don't like what he's saying, just wait a day or two. It'll change. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, here's an important point. Uh, 
Biden, Adams, every Democrat demands everybody get vaccinated. To do that, you got to go to a location. You got to fill out forms. You got to show ID. So if everybody in America supposedly can do this for the vaccine, why can't they do it to vote? This argument is going to come back to haunt them. Speaking of arguments coming back to haunt somebody, Alvin Braggs hasn't been very long here. He was on, I think it was day one, the new, uh, Alvin Bragg, the new uh, DA in Manhattan. He's had to defend his approach of not looking for criminal sentences for people for a whole range, including just, this one always gets everyone's attention, armed robbery. Well, if you don't actually shoot somebody with the gun, we're not going to send you to prison in New York, which strikes anyone who knows anything as completely insane. The new NYPD commissioner, though, Mark, as I understand it, uh, is not on board for this what do you make of what we're seeing from this DA in New York who, I mean, to call it soft on crime seems like an understatement. No, it's pro-crime. He's an absolute lunatic. And if you read the whole order, uh, even burglary, uh, it's not really a crime. Uh, it, I mean, it's just a ridiculous list. Everybody is against this guy. But I looked at the newsstand yesterday, the uh, Daily News savaging him on the cover, the New York Post, even the New York Times, liberal papers, conservative papers, everybody is against this. People are going to die because of it. People are going to get killed because of it. The answer is the governor can remove him as district attorney. It's going to take a huge movement of business leaders, political leaders, police, all together to her. It could become a big election issue. And I think that's what will make her do it at some point, just to get it off the table. Because when she wants to run for re-election, she's not going to want this issue. He's got to be removed from office. You know, you're allowed to uh, this prosecutorial uh, discretion only on a certain case. You can't just decide I'm not going to enforce uh, 50 things or I'm going to change the penal code. He's not a legislator. He's a district attorney. By the way, the Manhattan DA spoke about this policy, the new Manhattan DA, and claimed that somehow Mark was going to make us safer. I wanted to have him react. Watch. We've all seen the story of the person who's uh, on their eighth arrest, and people say, well, how'd this happen? How'd that assault happen? Well, there were seven prior times with that person struggling with addiction or mental health. We didn't connect that person to services. This is going to make us safer. It's intuitive. It's common sense. I don't understand uh, the pushback. Uh, this guy is out of his mind. I've met the guy. He's a nice guy in real life. He uh, must be a smart guy. He went to Harvard. I think so he fell down and hit his head or something. Something happened to this guy. He's just delirious. You know, Even if you, on paper, thought this experiment could work, it's been tried. 25 cities have tried it, and people end up dead. It ends up being in a crime wave. So it's, it's not just four times. It's 25 times this is a proven failure. There's something wrong with this guy. The NYPD's new commissioner, Keechan Sewell, has been really vocal, Mark, in response to this new DA soft on crime approach, uh, she put out a memo that said the following. This is the new commissioner of the NYPD. I'm very concerned about the implications to your safety as police officers, the safety of the public and justice for victims. I'm making my concerns known to the Manhattan District Attorney and hope to have frank and productive discussions to try and reach more common ground. Uh, I, I just got to I got to ask you, Mark, I, I got friends who in response to the DA and a little bit of what Adams has done recently, but they're texting me saying, I think New York is done. I'm out of here. Are, are you are you still holding that hope that Adams is going to pull it together and not be he doesn't have to be great. He just has to, he just has to be not a disaster. Can he do it? There's already a groundswell against this DA if we get rid of him. Uh, Adams put in a couple of good. He's got a deputy commissioner from the NYPD, Philip Banks, who he's really going to be the commissioner and people love him. Police guys love him. Uh, 
But if we get rid of all this, I think I know this DA may even back down. You know, turnstile jumping no longer a crime. That basically makes the subway system free now. Resisting arrest no longer a crime. It's not just a guy shoving away from the cop. You're gonna have a guy tearing down the street or tearing away in a car. That everybody's gonna be in danger. So I I think everybody will will just get bragged, stopped, and dead in his tracks somehow. Mark, thanks for the sanity in an insane world. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks. A pair of transgender athletes take top spots in an Ivy League swim meet this weekend. We got more on that with First TV contributor Tiana Lowe when we return. The record-shattering University of Pennsylvania's transgender swimmer Leah Thomas was defeated by another transgender swimmer in an Ivy League swim meet Saturday. Yale University student Itzhak Hennig defeated Thomas in both the women's 100 and 400-yard freestyle races, according to reports. Hennig, who is transitioning from female to male, set a record for the women's 50-yard freestyle. The Daily Mail also reported that uh, Hennig, who had uh, breasts removed, won the 50-yard freestyle and proceeded to pull down the top of the swimsuit in celebration. Fairly unusual way to commemorate a collegiate win. Joining me now to discuss is Tiana Lowe, commentary writer for the Washington Examiner and contributor here at the First TV. Uh, Tiana, what exactly happened here? What was this? Explain. Yeah, so it is very confusingly to those of us who didn't grow up taking gender studies 101 from kindergarten, the transgender man competing in the woman's race beat the transgender woman who was born a man. So it's confusing because clearly the NCAA doesn't have any rules about actual gender identity. The only provision that was put on Leah Thomas, um, the pen swimmer that has gained more notoriety, is that she had to be on um, testosterone suppressors for one year, which, as you know, doesn't dilute the impact of male puberty, the inherent strength, and also not even just the inherent strength, but the aerodynamic advantage that men have, men don't have hips, men don't have breasts. And apparently the Yale swimmer also doesn't have breasts. So we're talking about two female swimmer, swimmers, none of which are, for lack of a better term, encumbered by the reality of swimming with breasts. And this isn't necessarily a very comfortable stuff to talk about, but it's a real thing when we're discussing the purpose of women's athletics in, in schools, which is to be equal in terms of funding and fairness to men's sports. So if you can give yourself a biological advantage by either transitioning in one direction or in the other because of the surgical results of moving that which inhibits the ability to swim as fast as a man, then we're denying those scholarships to born and bred cis women. So and oddly enough, as has been true throughout this entire saga, the once loud feminists finally found an issue they want to shut up about. Wow. Sounded like Jesse Kelly there. Um, we've got uh, <laughs> a Itzhak Hennig column here. Uh, Itzhak Hennig is the biological female. I'm just trying to keep all this straight. Biological yes, female yes. that has transitioned to male that had breasts removed. Here you go. As a student athlete, this is what Hennig wrote. Coming out as a trans guy put me in a weird position. I value my contributions to the team and recognize that my boyhood doesn't hinge on whether there's more or less testosterone running through my veins. At least that's what I'll try to remember when I put on the women's swimsuit for the competition 
and I'm reminded of a self I no longer feel attached to. A stunned parent who was in attendance at the Yale UPenn Ivy League swim meet told the Daily Mail, quote, I wasn't prepared for that. Everything is messed up. I can't wrap my head around this. The NCAA needs to do something. So wait, so did the, did the, fe- the female then transitioning to male was able to beat a lot of guys at the meet? Is that what I'm seeing here? Because that is surprising. So remember, Leah Thomas was was very close to breaking Missy Franklin's record in one of these races. So the fact that she was beat by anyone, I mean, again, I am not a biologist. I am not a doctor, but it doesn't seem like it would be a coincidence that it would be a woman who has, again, removed subcutaneous fat that we know impacts your ability to swim more quickly. You have less circumference in one direction. There are aerodynamic and buoyancy issues at play here. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's surprising, obviously, that Leah Thomas could lose to anyone, but it's not that surprising who she lost to and in what form. Uh, But that being said, you know, Leah Thomas has still been smashing records left and right. It's possible, you know, that, 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 the, the goats of female swimming, like Katie Ledecky, like Missy Franklin, that their records are being very, are very close to being broken, specifically by Leah Thomas. And again, I fully believe that she's not been fooling around on, you know, taking feminizing hormones, but that still doesn't impact the fact that during puberty, when you're 12, women just get wider pelvises to enable the future potential childbirth. Men don't. Men still have much more bone density than women. Um, You are inherently stronger even if you don't later on get the extra bolster of testosterone for the muscles. That skeletal development is already completed. By the way, in late December, an Oakland, California engineering manager, switching gears here but still on the transgender topic, uh, named Amy Schneider, became the, quote, winningest woman in Jeopardy history uh, they said that this is the first woman in the history of the game to surpass $1 million in winnings during regular season play. The, the corporate media, of course, praising Amy Schneider as a woman for her victory. Here are some of the headlines. CNBC, Amy Schneider is the first woman to win $1 million on Jeopardy. New York Times, Schneider surpasses $1 million on Jeopardy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Amy Schneider is a biological male. Well, the biological men are just beating us at everything, aren't they? Um, and notice that none of these headlines are, are carving out, you know, the first trans woman, which I don't think, you know, is extremely objectionable. No, but it, women are literally going to be replaced from the record books. I mean, Jeopardy is something that's that's professionally scored by the Guinness Book of World Records. This isn't exactly an arbitrary record here. Um, you know, it's a show that's more than 50 years old and it's ingrained in our cultural consciousness. Again, not as important as something that is legally protected by the Equal Rights Amendment to ensure fairness for men and women for scholarship opportunities in academics, but still a sign of how quickly the corporate media is willing to embrace, you know, rewriting definitions. Again, five years ago, woke media would have labeled her the first transgender woman to win. And now what do, what do feminists have to grapple with? Are they going to accept this framing and, and then entertain some sort of notion that men, that biological men are inherently more able than women? Or are they going to reclaim what the feminine identity is? I'm just wondering, I mean, I, I look at this and I wonder, do you think that the only way this maybe stops is if people, if biological males start applying for 
uh, for, you know, claim to be transgender, say in their senior year of high school, and say they want to be on the they want to be recruited for like Harvard women's lacrosse, and they want scholarships at schools that can give them for athletics. Ivy League schools can't. But do do you think the only way to do this is to actually just bring the system down from within? Because I I wonder what level oh. of lunacy is the left willing to embrace on this? Oh, absolutely. As college, I think it's going to happen at the elite university level, and here's why: as elite universities get rid of the purely meritocratic measures of achievement, things like the SAT, things like your GPA, things like subject exams, and they are slowly replaced with markers of elite privilege, things like could your parents get you, you know, an internship at the UN? Could your parents help you set up your own 501c3 for climate change or whatever? And I, I went to one of those schools where that was common, but we still had the SAT as a buffer to make sure I went to I went to school, a private school with a lot of rich white kids and a lot of scholarship Latino kids. And all those scholarship Latino kids were able to compete with, with the rich white kids in admissions because they had the objective measures of merit. But as soon as you know we start replacing the idea of privilege being a race thing or a class thing, and now we're inserting this sort of chosen metric. And I'm not saying that all people who identify as LGBT are choosing to do are choosing to do so. But yeah. If you're a rich, straight, white man, the easiest way to game the system in a second is claim that you're a woman immediately you jump to the front of the oppression Olympics, more so than any poor working class kid of color, right? So yes. of course, it's going to start being gamed. And that is especially I as the student loan cartel continues to squeeze the value up to the very top. We'll have to get to that one another time. Tina, always insightful. Good to see you. Thanks, Buck. All right, coming up. The Los Angeles Police Department is celebrating some heroes today after, isn't it nice, we have a good story, heroes, LAPD, rescuing a man from an oncoming train. The visual is amazing, the video. After touring wildfire damage in Colorado, bumbling Biden goes off on his windmill solution, and The View's Sonny Hostin says even though Justice Sotomayor was was wrong on the facts, she was somehow right on the facts. You know, whatever, (laughs) let's dive into what she meant. In quick hits, let's get right to it. Uh, this is amazing. Sotomayor sounded um, like a, an ill-informed and kind of dumb person during the Supreme Court's oral arguments last week on the Biden-OSHA mandate for vaccines. She just said things that you would think nobody would say if they were acquainted with some of the most basic facts about COVID. Here is The View's Sonny Hostin, because of course, Democrat has to love the I mean, just to be clear, Sonia Sotomayor is an activist on the Supreme Court. I mean, she is she's like the HuffPost's comment section or, you know, the uh, what's that site with what's the site with um, uh, Ezra Klein? Vox, the Vox comment section made real into a person who then dispenses policy from the Supreme Court. Anyway, here's the view. Sonny Hostin trying to clean up the mess. Watch. Well, first, I just want to reframe this a little bit about Justice Sotomayor, because um, while, you know, she may not be accurate for current hospitalizations um, in children, she is correct that we have more children in the hospital uh, now more than ever before. Um, And it certainly reflects the current cases in children. Right now, we have 82,843 children uh, sick with with COVID. More than 1,000 children have died from the virus. Um, And in addition, uh, about 7.8 million children have caught COVID since uh, the pandemic started. And and so so that that those are just just the numbers. 
Yeah, you know, just, just let, let's kind of find some way. It doesn't sound like Sonia Mayor doesn't know what the heck she's talking about. Let's just, you know, a bunch of numbers, blah, blah. Yeah, right, sure. Nice try. Biden, this was bizarre. After touring the wildlife damage, I'm sorry, wildfire damage in Colorado that destroyed over 1,000 homes, here is Mr. Magoo as commander-in-chief showing up to just say the kind of weird stuff that he says. Uh, we're going to have windmills you can, you're going to see that have 100-yard wingspans each, each propeller on that, on that uh, um, windmill, 100 yards long. So there's so much that is going to be able to be done. And, uh, you know, I, uh, when I visit the National Reviewable Lab, Renewable Lab, Energy Lab, about 20 miles, I said, from here, it's, uh, it's also going to create a significant number of jobs. The reason I'm telling you this. What? People have lost their houses in a wildfire, and he's mumbling about 100-yard-long windmill things? What? This guy's the president? It's, it's beyond embarrassing. It's, it's almost like, how is this even possible? I mean, you really think that he should be outside of some kind of a facility with a blanket over his knees, you know, giving peanuts to squirrels and having the family come and visit him. And like, that's really what he should be up to. But instead, he is the commander in chief of the United States military, president. Oof. Anyway, here's a boy who uh, hugs his grandparents through a sheet of plastic while no one around them, of course, is wearing a mask. Watch this. Put your hands in there. Put your hands in there. It's really sad, the lunacy that has infected this country. And I really, I do blame the Democrat-aligned corporate media. Their hatred of Trump blinded them to all reasonableness, all reality, certainly in 2020 and, and then beyond. It just turned into being cheerleaders for Biden. It's appalling. Anthony Fauci is a blight on this country when it comes to dealing with COVID. He has been an absolute disaster. And all the people around him and giving voice to his ideas and supporting all this bull crap should be ashamed of themselves. That all said, let's take a moment to see some heroes in action of the LAPD saving the life of a pilot who made an emergency landing on the railroad tracks at San Fernando Road and Osborne Street in LA right before an oncoming train collided with the aircraft. Check this out. Astonishing. Everybody was okay. Happy ending. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line, the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.